Hello, and welcome to episode 182 of Relics of Ore. I'm your host, Drybok, and joining me this evening is my lovely co-host, Spirit. How are you doing this evening, Spirit? I am cold everywhere, except for I'm warming up now because I turned on the heater so that I'm warm uh, in many places, including my fields. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, it, it still, to this day, weirds me out. I'm just not used to... Uh, having conversations with people on the opposite seasonal schedule it's been getting quite hot here oscillating between low 60s or high 50s and then up into the high or mid 80s like sort of every other week it's been very it's been very crazy weather here lately but uh, i would not have called it cold so it always takes me by surprise so this week we don't really have a ton to talk about at least in terms of news but Spirit has been getting some uh, mail and or messages, and it sounds like there's a lot of people that are getting back into the game and either are hitting it for the first time or re-hitting it after a long leave of absence, so they're kind of effectively new anyway. And so we both thought that it would be kind of nice to do something of a more newbie-focused episode, I suppose. So... With that in mind, we don't have a ton of structure because we just sort of threw it together at the last minute, but it's, uh, yeah, it's just going to be kind of a smorgasbord. Is there anything you would like to lead in with, Spirit? Um, not in particular. I will say I, uh, I've been doing, you know, as, as listeners to the podcast for a long time have known, I, you know, I typically prefer to do raid content. That's why I spend the majority of my week uh, in game time doing. Um, but also dungeons, fractals, things of that nature, where uh, the sort of level I do them at, I don't encounter a lot of new players. Um, but actually, uh, this week, as I, as I was doing various things uh, out in the world, I did a Brink map, um, sort of late at night, wasn't too late. But I think I saw in that entire map, maybe five people over 20 mastery points. Uh, which wow. I think says a lot how about how effective the level 80 boost may have been in bringing people, uh, if not back or new to the game, at least into Heart of Thorns. Maybe people who had, you know, been putting off getting the expansion before are now just getting into that map, uh, which was sort of fascinating in a way, just to watch a bunch of people who didn't really know what was going on at all try and navigate that map. Uh, you know, well, that I, just, the, I didn't. No, I was just ahead. gonna say that, and the the changes to the leveling pace. I think there's probably a lot of people that got into Heart of Thorns and were sort of, you know, turned off, or maybe just were busy and just sort of looked at some of the time and effort it took to get some of those things, like the masteries, and to max out your profession and stuff, and just sort of put it on hold. And with the big mm -hmm. update that really reworked a lot of those things, I think that also probably generated. A moderate amount of buzz as to having fixed a lot of issues that people were having and so i would wager that there's probably a combination of people taking advantage of that level 80 boost for you know their first 80 for example and also um people that may have put it on hold for a while sure yeah but yeah i just i didn't really expect it you know i didn't really notice it at first or really expect it and so it really took me aback to see that many people just sort of getting into it which is great like yeah i'm really happy that you know more people are getting into it uh but i thought maybe we could share some tips and tricks that we have picked up in our uh our many escapades. thousand hours 
Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, sure. Okay. So my first one, uh, which is especially, I think, helpful in these new Heart of Thorns maps because they're somewhat harder to navigate, at least until you really have the map down, is if you are, say you've explored the map and you're looking to do map completion or you're looking for a specific thing uh, to finish in the maps, like say your, your hero points or something like that, and you can't seem to find it, you know, you just like, you, you look at your map and you just, you, you've uncovered everything, but for the life of you, you can't see the thing that is uncovered but grayed out. If you mouse over in, in your map screen, if you mouse over on the left side, the box that says how many you have, you know, it says 10 out of 14 hero points acquired or whatever in this map. Uh, when you mouse over it, it will, if you're in that map, it will sort of do a little highlight of any uh, ones that you have found but not actually completed. And so it'll have a little like shimmer on your screen. So that makes it really nice when you've sort of unfogged everything, but you just missed a point of interest or a hero challenge or something. And, you know, it, it just it just shows where it is. And so especially on the maps with multiple layers, because the the verticality of the Heart of Thorns maps is much more intense than the base game. Uh, I find that feature to be quite helpful. So that would be my newbie would, tip. Yeah, I would agree with that. I like it for core maps as well, especially where one's uh, like dry top and things where the hero points don't necessarily stand out as well. Like yeah. To, to use that there. Um, speaking of hero points, though, do you have any pro tips about... You know, one of the one of the big things you do at eighty is go to get your elites back unlocked. Do you have any recommendations about uh, specific hero points to go to, or anything about how to unlock those quickly? Because that's everyone's big next thing at eighty usually. Sure, uh, I guess I would say Verdant Brink is a really good intro map for that overall, uh, because you can get most of them solo now, or with just you know maybe a partner. But most of them have been nerfed so that because there was sort of a big problem at heart of thorns launch at least in many people's eyes that it really took a group to finish many of the hero points because they had champions attached to them and so they lowered a lot of those to veteran mobs or things like that and so you can get to most of verdant brink's hero points relatively easy and um any time of the day and they give you 10 hero points a piece which is what all of the heart of thorns hero points give you so you get a lot more bang for your buck than in the core maps but there's a couple that are really hard to get and so i would not focus on 100 percenting percenting verdant brinks hero points but rather i would say probably 10 of them are are pretty easy solo and then if you just hop into Orc Basin, there's a couple there that you can get also pretty quickly, just like right right near where you spawn. There's the Champion Arrowhead, and while that's not soloable, there's usually so many people sitting around in that map that people will uh, people will help you with it without you even having to ask for it. And um, there's also one on the northwest side, which is where you, you spawn in that is in a room that's filled with poison, but you don't need the mastery to go down there anymore. And in it, there is a funny-tasting mushroom or something to that effect. And Toxic-cured bacon, because why would you not eat that? Right, there you go. And in theory, it looks like it's designed for you to 
use the adrenal um the adrenal mastery so that you can reset your healing skill cuz cuz what it does is when you eat it you take damage over time and you have to survive a certain number of seconds but the damage over time is percentage based on your health so it doesn't really matter which class you are and it gives you a special healing skill to you know heal you and so the original obvious design idea was for you to have the adrenal glands mushroom or the adrenal mushroom rather so that you could eat that and refresh your healing skill and heal more often but it turns out that you can actually survive it if you just really ram on your healing skill so um yeah you can just get that one uh i have found that despite the fact that it is percentage based that i either couldn't or had a really hard time doing it sans masteries with an elementalist i think it just has something to do with the percentage damage probably rounding slightly weird and i was it was like i got to the last tick but i would die before i could get my heal off the last time um but otherwise i've done it without the mastery on most of my characters so that would be my advice is there's there's some early ones that you can get pretty easily and you don't need that many um to at least get most of your functionality yeah just to add to that if you do struggle with the toxic mushroom one or a toxic bacon one uh, you can have a friendly Mesmer come by and put Alacrity on you, which will reduce the cooldown on your heal skill and will help you get through that faster. Yes, that as well. Um, also, related to hero points, if you are struggling to get them in Maguma, and, or you've done them a bajillion times and you just want to do something a little bit different, uh, there is the option to go to Worldview World and get the items called Proofs of Heroics. Uh, each Proof of Heroic can be traded in um, one at a time for core Tyria mastery points. It, you buy a little book and you double click on the book and it randomly unlocks one core Tyria hero point. Um, or you can trade in 10 at a time and it will randomly unlock one jungle uh, hero point. So I've actually been using that um, for alts that I don't you know, necessarily feel like playing but I want to unlock. Or um, just to actually, I use them all on one character that I was being lazy about world completing on because it just it just world completes them for you. So I got like 170 hero points on this character that I just didn't really feel like spending as much time world completing as I maybe should. So that is an option for you as well if you're okay with the you know the sort of open PvP kind of thing in addition to PVE. Which also, it's just great that they put that option in there for the folks who only want to world v world. I'm, I've yeah, never absolutely. used it, but I'm very impressed that they came up with that solution and very happy for the folks for whom that is their primary game mode of choice. So Yeah, and it's worth noting as well that uh, those proofs of heroics are account bound now. So they, um, when you unlock them, they go into your wallet. They're not an item that you know is in your inventory, and they're you can play Worldly World on you know your main, whatever your necro, whatever you want to play Worldly World on, and then unlock you know those skill points on your Ellie or whatever. Yeah, which is probably especially nice given how many uh, level up tomes they throw at you. I may I <laughs> yeah. may look into that uh, to level up some alts a little bit more painlessly because I'm sitting on once again a whole buttload of those things so yeah yeah that's a pretty good one how about working on mastery experience do you have any pro tips for that um i would say oh where do i start with pro tips for that there's a few different things you can do um let's talk about xp boosters first of all um because there are a lot of xp boosters in the game and most of them stack right 
Right. Uh, so if you're in a guild that has the tavern unlocked, they might have um, a guild experience booster. And those go up to 10%, I believe, and last for 24 hours. They're totally free. You just walk up to your tavern, uh, talk to Nathan, the bartender, and see what he's got for guild booths. Um, relics are all maxed out. Secondly, I don't remember what they were before they were maxed out, but we've got um, crafting and map bonus and gathering and karma and magic find and XP and PvP reward and world XP. Like, we've got all this stuff. Uh, and, you know, you can put on whichever one you want, but if you're looking specifically for XP, that's an option for you. Uh, there's also guild banners. Then you've got uh, the experience boosters from Black Lion chests and, I think, award chests. Um, the birthday boosters, which give 100% XP. Um, fireworks. You can buy uh, Lunar New Year fireworks off the trading post, or a lot of times like people put them in the guild bank or stuff, because they're fairly cheap. But if you uh, apply those as well, that's another 10%, I think, from all buffs. And then you've got, uh, if you eat food from Halloween, that's 15% experience from a kill. And... I think Scarlet Slaying Potions is also 15% experience for a kill. If you go to the Wikip Wikipedia page on this, it'll have all the buffs there and they all stack. But it, it adds up to like two 250% experience gain. And that's the sort of thing where you can just, you know, uh, it, it works really well with doing events, doing big meta events. Like Orc Basin was a, a place that I farmed a lot for experience. Dragon Stand as well. Um, but also... Did you, cover, did you cover celebration boosters? Yes, I did. Okay. Um, but yeah, also, even even if you're not doing big events, uh, this is the sort of thing where if you have that many boofs on you and you just sort of tag things like jungle boards, uh, they'll drop a lot of experience for you. And a lot of people don't... Like, when you kill a mob, sometimes bonus experience pops up, and a lot of people don't know what that is. Um, it's actually a... Uh, bonus experience is based on how long that particular mob has been alive and not been killed. So it's a little bit of a reward for going off the beaten path and killing things that people haven't necessarily killed recently. So a lot of neutral mobs, things that people don't go out of their way to kill, often have a lot of bonus XP, like like moas and jungle boars and things like that. Uh, so if you're fe feeling particularly like you uh, are on a murderous rampage to get those masteries, then that might be an option for you. Yeah, I can definitely confirm that. They have quite a lot of bonus XP, and especially because that bonus XP also gets multiplied by your by your buffs. So I've had situations where it's like you can get, I don't know, I want to say I've gotten 6,000 experience from one, <laughs> from one neutral mob. <laughs> and, you know, you can... There's, there's a spot in Verdant Brink right... Uh, below the what's the what's the word I'm looking for like precipice or whatever at the very beginning that you sort of walk up in the living story and take mm -hmm. take uh, take take in the site and it's just right off to the right side of that down in the river where you go again in the first in the first story mission of Heart of Thorns where you go to rescue the uh, the pack members that that got captured. And in that river, there's tons of neutral mobs like spiders and, um, you know, spiders, boars, things like that. And they hardly ever, hardly anybody ever goes down to clear them out. And so for a while there, when I was working on my masteries, I would just like pop down there once a day and just, just kill them all and just get up a, a ton of experience in, in almost no time. So that's, that's a really good one. Um, 
I would also point people to adventures. Uh, I know I've said it before on the podcast, especially right when Heart of Thorns came out, but it's even better now because they, in- I think they doubled the experience you get from adventures. So wow. yeah, so you get a lot of experience for an adventure the first time you beat it uh, per day. And then you also get a huge amount the first time you beat it, period. Um, Cause there's an achievement for, for, there's an achievement for the first time you get gold, and I think there's an achievement for the first time you get silver also, which you can mm-hmm. get both of. And I believe the gem store booster also increases experience from that because it increases it from all gains. So that's not to say that you should go out necessarily and spend real money on them, but it's not that expensive to pick up a handful of those things uh, with the gold exchange, and it's... When, yeah, when you when you increase a hundred and eighty thousand experience base for the first time, you get gold on something uh, by a sizable percentage. It's uh, very noticeable. So, but even even after you've gotten it the first time, there is a circuit of adventures in Verdant Brink, especially, and also in Orc Basin that are pretty much all the ones in Verdant Brink are are quite easy for the most part. Um, especially once you learn the path on ones like. Um, bugs in the branches and you can you can just hammer those out pretty quick every day or just a subset of them and get golds on them and and get a lot of experience for very little time and now that they have done the whole heart of thorns rework now you don't now they're open pretty much always so or rather at least always during the day so it's a lot more consistent also you don't have to map hop to find one with those open so yeah that's i would definitely suggest that if you're sort of more of the you know play for a few minutes here and there type of player rather than the stay logged on for a long time in a row on a single day player is those those daily rewards for first time completions per day are are pretty good speaking of dailies uh the if you own heart of own heart of thorns uh the maguma heart of maguma dailies specifically um all award scraps of Maguma Mastery XP as well. Which is not a lot, but you know, if you're just doing your daily anyway and you look for those ones in particular, you can get a little bit bonus. Which while we're at it also on the topic of dailies, the daily reworks uh give quite a good gold income if you're just again, one of those players that logs on just for, you know, maybe half an hour or an hour uh, a couple times a week. That's gonna be you know two gold per day that you do your dailies i personally haven't been keeping up with them that much but gold isn't a huge issue for me but as as a new player or a newly returning player that's going to be a really good source of of Mm -hmm. some sort of starter starter funding for you because it can it can be hard to get your funds started so to speak uh so with all of this mastery experience do you have um what what mastery should you start with like what what is the most bang for your buck when you're just starting out Mm, well uh you know and and uh, other listeners who frequently listen know how much i love movement abilities so i would definitely prioritize what i call the movement trifecta in heart of thorns which is your uh basic glider mastery although uh improving your glider is also hugely beneficial because it gives you ultimately gives you infinite gliding which is awesome uh so gliders updraft uh jumping jumping mushrooms and uh to a lesser extent speed mushrooms 
I would say, are your first targets because those masteries are applicable on every Heart of Thorns map and the gliding is now, you know, useful on all of Corteria as well. And once you have those, you can really traverse the jungle in much more entertaining and much more fun ways than just walking and or waypointing. And especially with the amount of waypoints that get contested just in general, um, being able to have some of those options to go back up places after you've glided down from them is is pretty great. So I would say those should be your very first focus. And then from there, you can sort of branch out depending on which map you want to focus on. So, you know, because each, each mastery line is fairly based on one specific Heart of Thorns map, although there's obviously some crossover in each of them. What about you? Do you have any you have anything to add to that? Um I would just add that when you when you visit uh Verdant Brink, Auric Basin, and Tangled Depths for the first time is when you unlock a mastery track. Uh so if you haven't been to each map at least once, just to pop your head in and like I know a lot of people want to take it slow and explore each one one by one, but if you wanna, you know, go ahead just visit that map and unlock the track so you can work on it before you get there. I think that's an absolutely valid way about, of going about it, especially because um, there are certain master requirements for your story. So I think it's from memory, and I hope this is right, uh, in order. You need gliding, then bouncy mushrooms, then exalted one, which is the the language that lets you read exalted writing, um, updrafts, and then I don't think you need poison lore, but it's a very it's uh it's all tier four. Oh no, new hawk wallows. You need new hawk wallows. That is a very good one to get, actually. Oh, sorry, yes, I, I should have included that. Yes. The wallows is is pretty good also. Yeah, but I think those are all the ones that um really make a big difference. Uh and other than that, it's sort of up to you. Each of them has a tier that unlocks a specific vendor for you that has a variety of goods. A lot of those vendors have um stat combinations that are unique to Maguma. Um, a lot of those are uh, sort of common in raids, I would say. So, you know, at some point, not, maybe not your first thing, but at some, at some point it would behoove you to unlock those. Um, but yeah, no rush. I would say, yeah, anything that affects your movement or your ability to get into different areas is sort of your, your priority thing. And then when you're getting towards the end, um, if you have to pick one to max out, I would say go for adrenaline mushrooms if you want something that's really useful. I love adrenaline mushrooms. I am so hooked on my shrooms, uh, because what it does is it resets all of your cooldowns. So you can, you know, you can blow everything, step on a mushroom and you've got it back to do again. Which is loads of fun to do if you're a minion master necro, uh, yep. because you can cast you know like twenty minions pretty darn quick. Yeah, that one's that one's definitely one of the biggest upticks where you just get that and you just sort of cackle like a mad scientist. But <laughs> it's quite a ways down there, and I would definitely work towards the infinite gliding mastery um, before you really start working towards that. Even though that one's not an end tier, it's pretty high up there. Mm -hmm. um but once you have that it's yeah like you said it's kind of kind of up to your personal choice and especially if one or two of the maps are appealing to you more or less than the others you know you you might want to look to to those um those maps lines more because they tend to be a bit more influential in those maps but yeah as far as core masteries though um 
well, on on the one hand, it's sort of you know the the game sort of wants you to play all the new content, but the there is a lot of value in my opinion in the auto loot mastery. Um, it just saves you, it just saves you so many button presses to not have to auto loot every <laughs> or to not have to loot everything. So you know, if you are playing around in Corteria maps, I would definitely make sure that you set the packed commander line to be the one that you are uh training for the most part i would say yeah i think that's fair uh can you train i don't i honestly don't know because i finished it before uh it was available but can you train the gliding mastery in corteria nope oh bummer yeah kind of a shame it's just sort of a limitation of the system but uh yeah i guess that's aside from that i mean just Try not to try not to burn yourself out on it too much. I know a lot of people rushed to get all their masteries done, and a lot of the masteries, aside from the ones that we just listed, are kind of lower impact. And so it's it's sort of it can feel unrewarding if you've just been sort of burning the candle at both ends trying to get it done as fast as possible. And then also once you finish that, it's like, well, now there's there's no more to unlock. So yeah, like I I would. I would not be in a rush for them for the most part. I would try and just uh take it easy, especially if you're a more casual player or a newer player. Like it's not they're not the be all end all of of Guild Wars 2. Like mm-hmm. yeah. I had something, but now I don't. I forgot. <laughs> uh well, briefly let's talk about sort of getting your first exotic gear set. Mm. That... You mean beside the one that you start with with the 80 boost? Yeah, it's uh, I don't know what you got on your class, but I got soldier's armor on my revenant and I sort of went, I see. I actually haven't used it yet. I I have been in decision paralysis for who, like what class I want another oh, one okay. of. <laughs> I, I sort of was, but then I was like, but I really want this account bound slot more than any profession I will unlock. So I just decided to use it on one. Yeah, I mean, that's that's reasonable. <laughs> Do you do you want to start off with that? I honestly haven't geared a character in quite a while either in exotic, or rather, if I do, it's just I sort of just am lazy and buy it. So that's not that's not the most new player friendly option to just say just spend money <laughs> by money and um, gold. But I've seen a lot of people recommending going into Burdent Brink and farming the map currency there, and that would be by you know uh, going into the map, playing the events, and you'll get all of these little airship parts which can be turned into the vendor to buy uh, boxes of bladed armor, which uh, comes exotic already, and you can choose the stats on it. So you've got quite a bit of flexibility in terms of um, which stat type you want to go for there. Um, I don't I don't know how fast that is or anything. I have been geared in exotics for a very long time, and so it's not something I have necessarily paid attention to lately. But... Um, also, if you are level 80 and have a basic understanding of the game, what you can do is you can go into dungeons. Um, the stat types you're going to get out of dungeons are going to be different based on the dungeon. So if you want a particular stat type, you might want to look um, sort of ahead of time to, to check which dungeon to do. Because they each dungeon sort of has three stat types associated with them. But uh, it would take... Maybe if you ran all three paths of a dungeon in a day, uh, which depending on the dungeon takes probably less than an hour, 
I would say it would take probably five to six days maximum to gear yourself out um, in armor and weapons from that dungeon. So, I've, and they have unique skins. So, if you're after that sort of thing, then you know you've got that knocked out of the way as well. Also, World v World is a good way to get exotic stuff. Um, mm, if yeah. if that's your cup of tea, the World v World vendors uh, sell for a combination of gold and um, whatever the World v World currency is. I can't quite remember what it's called anymore. Badges of Honor. Thank you, Badges of Honor. The only thing I could think of were the legendary components, which I knew were wrong. Anyway, um, but yeah, the prices are very reasonable there, uh, just with the caveat that you have to have Badges of Honor, which means you have mm-hmm. to have actually been doing World v. World content. But I had a huge stockpile of Badges of Honor for quite a while, and whenever I got a new character to level 80, I would usually just spend some of those because it was just much cheaper than buying them off the trading post and i already had the badges so uh you know again yeah i would say like (laughs) even if you've never been into world v world um you get a couple hundred badges of honor every time you get an achievement chest so if you you know if you've just started out i think you get one for 100 achievement points and 500 which is pretty easy to do just by leveling up and sort of you get you know achievement points uh for doing all the various things for the first time. Um, you should probably have a few hundred on you already, even if you've never stepped foot in there. And so you can just uh, pop in and grab a couple pieces of gear for that. I'm not sure how many, but at least like gloves and boots or something you should be able to get for like 300. And I think it's like, I don't know how many badges it's it is less for than the whole that. set. It's, it's way cheaper than oh, that. Okay. <laughs> like, Jeez. It's, it's very cheap. I, I will look it up in just a moment, but it is it is quite cheap, at least last time I looked. And if you're just getting into the game and you want to PvP, you don't need any gear for that at all, because PvP gear is entirely separate. Yes. Yes, excellent point. Uh, let's see. Armor, exotic, uh, for an exotic chest piece is one gold and 200 badges of honor. Oh, nice. So you can get uh, decent quite a bit yeah. out of that for just a couple yeah. hundred badges. A complete Oh, a complete set of armor costs five gold and 950 badges of honor. Nice. Yeah. So that's, which is not bad, especially, especially when you take out the chest piece, because that's, those are always the most expensive uh, to craft, at least. Those don't have every stat combination, but they have a lot of them. And uh, I believe they have Berserker. So, which is, which is all you actually need for most classes. So not, not always, but. Mm hmm. I would say I don't I can't think of a class that can't make use of Berserker though so it's a decent yes. if you're okay with being squishy it's a decent starter set because you know every class can make use of it at least yeah uh, these sets are soldiers knights carrion clerics berserkers and rabid so those are some for the most part pretty good pretty good sets uh, but especially berserker and especially berserker and knights I would say are the two probably most commonly used um with berserker way ahead of knights but yeah also in terms of making some money going back again to uh adventures uh, i believe every time you get a gold in an adventure you uh the the chest that comes out of it gives you one guaranteed rare item so Mm -hmm. that adds up really fast in terms of uh you can either sell pretty much any rare item for 
in general, probably 30 silver on average. Um, or you can just salvage it for Ecto, uh, which, you know, sells for... Salvage it. Salvage everything. Yeah, yeah you should probably salvage it. Uh, oh, salvage it with a... This is a pro tip. You should get yourself a... I'm forgetting the name of it. The Master Salvage Kit thing. The Mystic Salvage Mis- Kit? Yes, thank you. The Mystic Salvage Kit. Which, uh, do you remember the names of the pieces that go into it? <laughs> uh, it's one... So if you go to a, a merchant and they have all the salvage kits there, it's one blue salvage kit, one green salvage kit, one yellow salvage kit, and then three Mystic Forge Stone. I think. They're they're diamond, sort of diamond shaped. They're gray and blue. Um, you'll get them out of those same achievement chests that drop, I think, like five per achievement chest. And if you put those items in the Mystic Forge together, it gives you a kit that is yellow, like a yellow quality salvage kit um, that has 250 uses. So it's a great way to make your salvage kit last a little bit longer and be more effective. Doesn't it also have a better salvage rate than the regular yellow kit? I don't know. I don't think so. I can look but that up. I Regardless, the fact confirm. that you can get 250 uses out of one is far and away the most important aspect of it. Yes. Uh, especially if you're doing something that sort of reins you in yellow gear all day, every day. Uh, you're you're going to use it a lot. And yeah, so again, if you're new or f- have forgotten... Uh, you should probably be using a yellow salvage kit on uh, yellow items. And if you don't have a black line salvage kit, I would not recommend buying one, but I would, uh, but you will get them just from uh, daily login rewards and various other ways, sort of just passively. But I would use the mystic salvage kit on exotics if you don't have a black line salvage kit to use. And then anything below exotic. Uh, use just a common salvage kit because it's just really not worth cluttering up your inventory and for the most part you're pretty much just gonna get random cloths and metals and wood out of salvaging everything anyway so the i find that the intermediate salvage kits are just not really worth it would yeah would you agree with that yeah i guess my rule of thumb is i salvage the gear with the same color salvage kit so i salvage exotics with my black lion salvage kit salvage uh, rares with my yellow salvage kit and Anything blue that I salvage with a, a white or a blue one. Yeah, I, I don't think I've ever carried a blue salvage kit. Um, granted, I have the salvage-o-matic, um, so, you know, that's effectively equivalent to a white salvage kit anyway. But mm. Wait, aren't there two white ones? Yeah, there's like a, there's a super crappy one that has 15 uses, and then there's a white one that has 25 uses, I think? I Or maybe not. Yeah, I don't know. I buy the cheapest 25 use one for my gear that's below yellow rarity. Yes, right. Uh, yeah, because there is a blue and a green one also, and I, those just seem super not worth it. Yeah, I only buy them to make the Mystic Salvage kits. <laughs> that's exactly, that is exactly what I do as well. So, uh, yeah, but salvage everything and periodically check your materials tab to see if you've got a sweet amount of expensive materials because every once in a while it just sort of creeps up on you and you don't realize how much stuff you've collected when you just sort of disappeared away into your bank. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I don't know. Is there anything anything else? To, we sort of talked about stuff in pre-show and now some of it, I know that we talked about most of it, but some <laughs> of it's sort of ephemeral in my mind right now. Uh, well, I wanted to talk about the Leyline events and the Chuka and Chumpawak collection, but those aren't related, so... 
Sure. Yeah. If I would we're say that's up at this, we can move on. I mean, Actually, I think for the most part, we've covered most of the new player stuff, at least to get not be a giant information barrage. Or did you have something else you yeah, want to add? Just to, to sort of wrap that up, um, I would recommend joining a guild because it makes uh, the gameplay experience a lot better. Um, find one that is going to uh, conform to your expectations. I would always ask questions um, to a guild leader officer before joining the guild. Um because that's just how I am. I would make sure that, uh, you know, the community's what I like from a guild, whether it's, you know, a hardcore raiding guild or a World v. World one. Um, I would find out what their representation policy is, because uh, in this game you can join up to five guilds, um, be in all of them simultaneously, um, be able to chat with all of them simultaneously. Uh, but I would make sure that... So there are a lot of specialized guilds, um, you know, only raiding guilds or only, you know, a specific zone, like dry top guilds. Um, but I would just make sure that the communities of people that I'm hanging out with are the ones I want to be hanging out with, you know? Because if you do that, uh, I think you will have a much more satisfying experience. But if you're a solo player, that's cool too. Yep. All right. Well, do you want to, which would you rather talk about, the collection or the events? Uh, let's do the events first. Okay. So, so all I know about no, them you. is I my mine is going to be short. All I know about them is that they added some new sort of mysterious events and some achievements to go with them, and they are, involve the ley lines and sort of ostensibly the story moving forward, uh, sort of in a little hint. But I have not personally investigated them, so I will leave the rest of the segment up to you. Um. So it's it's sort of a little story chain that involves you uh, basically any anywhere in the game that you go that you can kill a dragon minion um specifically um the minions of jormeg primordus and kralkatorik so the branded the destroyers and the i don't even know what the ice ones are called um if you are out and about just doing events and killing them or you know in fractals wherever those guys spawn you can get a drop called an unidentified lodestone. And clicking on that directs you to uh, Lion's Arch, where there's a a Priory Scholar who says, um, you know, there's been some weird things going on lately, and I think this is tied to it. So go out in the world, and she she calls out these sort of three locations um, that you can go to find dragon minions gathering and trying to consume lay energy that's now uh, oozing out of the world. So in these locations, um, typically locations familiar to players, uh, in just out in the middle of nowhere in Blaze Ridge Steps and Snowden, um, there's actually sort of fountains of lay energy now spewing out of the world, and every once in a while they'll rupture, um, which triggers an event where uh, waves and waves of dragon minions come and try to consume the lay energy, and you have to fight them off. That's about it right now. <laughs> There's a there's an achievement for for doing each one. There's an achievement for um, uh, doing it perfectly without the dragons getting any lay energy. Um, there's an achievement for killing a specific mob called the Coalescence, which is the champion that spawns at the end of the event um, five times. It's like a a gold for that. It's like twenty achievement points all up. So if you want a couple easy to get achievement points, they're pretty pretty low hanging fruit. Those events spawn in the same place every ten minutes. 
Um, so if you hang out there for a little while, you'll be able to catch a few in a row. Or if you bounce between them, you can catch them sort of every five minutes because they're offset a little bit. Um, but so nothing too spectacular at first. Um, but then last week, um, they moved, which is weird. Really? I didn't know that. I yeah. had completely missed them. Missed that. Uh, this is a thing that is not new to the game. Uh, very often during season one, there would be updates without patches. It is a, a ability that Guild Wars 2 has to, to trigger new events and things without having to patch for them. And so last week, um, a new round of these events appeared, uh, sort of along the ley lines again. Um, ley lines, if you're not familiar with the term, is the sort of lines of magic. The I don't know how to explain that. <laughs> what would you say a ley line is? Uh, so part of it is that the characters don't truly understand exactly the sort of cause and effect or chicken and the egg relationship between the ley lines and the planet and the dragons. Mm-hmm. Um, the ley lines are channels of powerful magical energy that stretch through Tyria, sort of you most maybe might think of them like veins um mm-hmm. or that's a good you way know. to describe them yeah and they yeah i mean they're they're basically just like super magical energy uh tied in some way to the natural magic of the world but we don't know exactly much beyond that there have been significant events that happen on sort of these big confluence convergence points of leyline energy and mm-hmm. you know it seems like the dragons tend to be tapped into or are consuming or providing leyline energy i'm honestly not sure that we know um but during season two of living story or sorry season one of living story uh scarlet placed these crazy invention things all throughout Tyria, and then people sort of connected the dots and figured out that they were placed along ley lines, uh, culminating in the attack on Lion's Arch with her sort of drilling into a ley line that runs underneath Lion's Arch, and then that action woke up Mordremoth from his slumber. So mm-hmm. I guess that's that's as much, at least that's as familiar as I am with the details on ley lines. <laughs> um, I don't know if I miss stuff or if it's sort of uh, still intentionally vague. Yeah, I would add, and I apologize if you're a new player, uh, this may be spoilers for you, so I am warning you by talking a lot so that you have time to to turn away or whatever, because I'm going to talk very briefly about Raid Story and the ultimate effect of the end of Heart of Thorns story, so hopefully by now you've turned away. Um, sort of at the end of Heart of Thorns, um, Mordremoth's death caused something to go crazy with the ley lines and we're not necessarily sure exactly what that is um but it's hinted at very very heavily in raids that it that i would go so far as to say that is the raid story right now is magic is going wild and something is wrong something is very wrong um actually in wing two of the raids the ley energy has changed colors which is sort of weird. It's always been sort of a white, and then if you look at it in the right light, it's got a blue, green, and red elements to it. Uh, But in Wing 2 of the raid, and now out in the open world, it's pink and purple and orange. 
uh, I don't know what there is to be drawn from that. The you know sort of sort of the hints and wink too is that you know this is different now. Something is something is weird, and so that that's now spilling out of raids into the open world as well. Uh, but arcing back to what I, what I was saying before with these these new events spawning is people are now drawing lines because we have an idea of the direction that the the lay energy is traveling. Um, and just seeing where these lines go on the map because they're pointing into into different areas uh, where there may be dragons. Yeah, pretty much. So, oh, one other thing. Uh, not not an event or a big detail or anything, but if you want to uh, go see this in Dry Top, there is a room, uh, a cavern with a big ley line through it. It was one of the first ones we saw, um, sort of in person. Like it was a, a really big moment in the story to to actually physically see a ley line um, sort of traveling through the land. That cavern uh, had sort of rocks floating around the ley line and stuff. Um, they've been partially destroyed and the ley line is now like twice as big. It is surging and it's it's sort of a cool thing to to see visually how it's changed. Yeah, very cool. I will have to check those out for sure. I'm hoping they build on them because it seems like a I mean, right now, it really isn't that exciting. I mean, it's cool to do just to have seen it, but I mean, I haven't gone back to it since day one when I went and checked them out. I was like, yep, okay, these have been thoroughly checked out. Uh, but I, I do hope it is it is the start of something, and I hope it gets, it gets built on more, because I'm uh, having this happen... I'm realizing that I, I did sort of miss those elements of, of Living Story Season 1. I'm curious about whether they'll be temporary or permanent, um, because Season 1 was uh, ephemeral. All of those events ultimately disappeared, and we were not able to experience them anymore, which I think uh, lends itself to some nostalgia for Season 1, uh, because we can't go experience those things again. But... Uh, the community overwhelmingly asked for replayable content during season one. So I don't know. It'll be yeah. interesting to see whether they decide to to keep which yeah which direction they decide to go with it. I don't know. Or if they try and go for maybe sort of a mixed compromise between season one and two. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's unfortunately, speaking of the permanence of season one, we sort of got the worst of both worlds in Kessex because changing Kessex used to be a beautiful zone and still isn't in many ways but uh <laughs> the it was very cool seeing it get co-opted by the toxic alliance and then it stayed ugly after the tower got ruined forever yeah. Poor so Kessex. it's like yeah so now it's like well now it's permanently ugly but the content's gone so <laughs> <laughs> womp womp but anyway, okay. Well, we're actually almost up to an hour now. So if you talk about the uh, legendary shortbow collection, uh, that'll pretty much be about normal episode length for us. So unless you had something else you wanted to talk about with regard to the leyline event, something or other mystery, I, I don't think there's anything else to be said about it because it's very small. Other than I really hope uh, we've got a Tuesday patch day coming up. I think. Is it this? I think it'll be this week because it's been two weeks since last one. So hopefully, maybe uh, there will be some new stuff coming for that, or you know, like a new event in the line will appear or something. Just keep an eye out for it, maybe. Sure. Uh, but yeah, I did the Chuka and Chumbawat uh, level one collection. 
and it was a lot of fun. It was by far the most fun I've had doing any Legendary Collection. And if you are just looking for a little quest or something to do in Guild Wars 2, I highly recommend going and picking that up if you have the ability. You have to have the Masters unlocked. You have to, it's like 5 gold and 18,000 karma or something. It's, it's pretty negligible. Um, but I really enjoyed it. It was, um, if, you, if you do it in order, you pretty much have to. But uh, it starts out with you sort of preparing for a hunt. You, you make a journal in which to write your tale, um, you craft some tools, you get uh, tiger musks, you can track them down, you do a couple little hunting events around the world to sort of warm up, and then you go take your journal to a scout in Snowden, and he, he points you to these tigers uh, that have been causing trouble. So you go out and you follow your journal. You actually, it's an item in your inventory, and you open it up, and it's your character narrating this hunt. So she's like, well, you know, there, there's been activity in Vernon Brink. We should go talk to the locals there and find out what's going on. So you go talk to the locals, help them out with a couple of events, and they say, hey, um, there's these tigers that have been around. Thanks for helping us shore, shore our defenses up. Um, you know, go look for them. So once you do that, there are little tiger footprints that you can follow. If you find them on the ground, it has uh, spirit tigers that walk sort of across them in the direction that you're supposed to go. And sort of through that system, between the, between the journal and the, the trails that the tigers leave, whether it's um, eventually you injure them and it's tiger blood or, uh, you know, different, different signs of life, uh, you do a pretty epic trek from Verdant Brink uh, all the way out. I think it ended in Fields of Ruin in a jumping puzzle that I've never been in before in my four years of playing the game that I just <laughs> never knew was there. Uh -huh. uh, it was a really cool journey, uh, ultimately. And I don't want to give too much away, in, you know, in case you want to check it out for yourself. But I, I think it was well and away the most polished, most enjoyable legendary experience I've had in a very long time. Uh, no, I would go so far as to say ever. I was thinking back in the day, but no, I did not enjoy making bolts back in the day. I had yeah. no money. So, yeah, definitely my favorite legendary experience. I'm I'm sort of looking forward to doing um, you know, ultimately part 2 and part 3. I'm going to get hung up on the uh gold sinks in part 2. I actually I haven't unlocked part 2 yet cuz I have to make the the weapon. And right now I'm making twilight to sell. So, It'll be a long time before I can get around to doing the other parts, but I've heard great things about uh, the other parts. I've had great experiences doing um, Nevermore. The end of the Nevermore collection was far and away the best part, and so I'm really excited to get to those eventually. It'll just be a long time before I actually get around to it, but really looking forward to it. Nice. It makes me... Yeah, I mean, it, I'm, I'm glad that it's good. It makes me a little sad that just to think that perhaps the future legendary journeys could also have been awesome and that they are not to be or at least not for yep. a very very long time but i'm glad that the one that they did release is fun and polished so it's a little little bittersweet maybe yeah absolutely definitely feel the same about that like, yeah this is great i wish there was more but there yeah but there won't be. But that's okay. We don't want to end on a downer. We're uh, we're we're very happy with the state of the game right now. I think, and mm -hmm. excited to see every new content 
thing coming out, and I think we're both really excited for Living World to come back. Wouldn't you? Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So as always, uh, feel free. We always we always love getting messages in game or to our email address or whatever. So if you have, especially if you have any questions, um, feel free to field them, and we can. We'd be more than happy to answer any questions, newbie or otherwise, on the show. And other than that, uh, thanks for tuning in. And I think that's it, unless there was a cast cast. I mean, well, welcome to cast cast podcast by the cast for the podcast and stuff. Cast for the podcast. I don't know. That was a hiccup or something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I did get a bunch of whispers from people this week, and I didn't. I totally blank on saving people's names for shout outs, but I got like four or five whispers from people who said thanks for doing the show and i just wanted to i i think i said it to everyone but just to to reiterate i really appreciate that um it gives us warm fuzzies inside to know that you guys enjoy what we do um and us just babbling on <laughs> to each other is uh you know enjoyable to other people it's really nice to hear from everyone that you appreciate it it's i mean just to 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 take a slight detour and be like you know if you enjoy content that someone makes let them know because it is such a great feeling and it doesn't always get said um so you know if there's a you know not not necessarily us but if there's an artist or a podcast or uh, someone who does cool stuff videos whatever if you appreciate their content let them know and it sounds like i'm gonna cry but not really but my i've run out of water so rip my throat also, uh, this Saturday, I haven't put anything up about it yet, so you guys are like the first to know, other than a couple people in the Relics of Our Guild. I'm going to be leading a naked, naked-ish tour around <laughs> South Sun for our our guild event this week. Uh, we're having a, a beach party on South Sun. Uh, there's going to be jumping puzzles, there's going to be Karka farming, there's going to be... I'd like to do a guild spawn of Karka Queen, uh, and I'd also like to do that with... Uh, chest piece, legs, boots removed, heads, shoulders, gloves hidden. So you still have your trinkets, your weapons, and some of your armor on, but will look naked. Uh, which I think will be a lot of fun, so hopefully a few of you can come and join us for that. I'll have details up um, on the Relics of Our site and on Reddit um, in, a, in a day or two. They're written up, but I have to get screenshots and things to, to finish that out. So surprise, and join us, because that'll be a lot of fun. Yes, indeed. All right. And I think with that, that is actually the end of the episode. So yep. thank you for tuning in, and we will be back uh, sometime soonish, relatively speaking. This has been another episode of Relics of Or. If you want to get in touch with us, you can check out our website and forums at relicsofor.com, email us at relicsofor at gmail.com, or find us on your favorite social media site just by searching Relics of ORR. If you'd like to join us in-game, you can send a whisper or in-game mail to Spiritface, or drop us a note on Twitter or our website and say hi. Lastly, if you listen to the podcast on iTunes, feel free to leave us a comment and the rating you feel we deserve.